Well, since by the time we hit the air on Monday, Halloween will probably be almost done. I mean, let's be honest, the trick-or-treating will be all but done in most places. Maybe not quite here in BC, but it will be done in most places. And maybe you'll be curling up to watch a movie or something. But it is a Monday night. It's a school night. It's a work night. So maybe not. So we thought we'd get a little bit of a jump on it this year and try and talk about it tonight instead. Now, heading into Halloween weekend is always a really great time to catch up on some really great horror movies or scary movies or suspenseful movies or whatever you need to get into that spooky Halloween mood. Um, so we thought we'd get you some suggestions. So we think there will be uh, a lot of people who might want to curl up on the couch this weekend, watch some horror movies and get themselves into the Halloween spirit. My first choice, because as a child, it absolutely petrified me the first time I watched it, is this one. For generations... The Thorns have been a family of tremendous wealth, position, and power. The perfect marriage of Ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife, Catherine, was fulfilled by the birth of their son, Damien. And then, when the child was five years old, something terrible happened. And then, it happened again. Was it an accident? Was it murder? Was it a coincidence? Or was it an omen? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Ah, the omen with Gregory Peck from all the way back in the, uh, was it 77? I think it was 77 or 76. So what makes for a great Halloween horror flick? And how about some suggestions that perhaps you hadn't thought of for this year? Joining us now, returning to talk movies, is Kevin Martin. He's the owner of the Lobby DVD shop in Edmonton. Kevin, thank you so much. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me on. And might I say for the record, what an amazing, amazing opening movie clip to go with. 1976, The Omen, my birth year, my friend. That brings back so many memories. And... uh, Nobody will beat the original Omen with Gregory Peck. That thing is that beautiful. Oh, it is. It is. And I, I was less. always trying trying to explain why why it was so good. Why movies of that era were so eerie and so like you could feel your kind of the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And I guess it's because there was no CGI. There was no special effects really. It was just all this kind of. There was something about the mood that they set the music to. I mean, the Omen is such a such a truly creepy film oh my goodness you know it's funny with the music i think it was jerry goldsmith did the music for the omen and uh i I kid you not prior to coming on your show i was drinking a couple of scotchy booze and (laughs) watching some old classic 1960s uh twilight zone and half of the music done was by jerry goldsmith who did the music for the omen and uh i'm like my goodness this is fantastic and uh I've definitely, uh, in the last few weeks, been resorting back to going to the old black and white uh, st- stuff that even was before my time. Going like, I, I want to get the season. I want to see some old school stuff, even older than my typical old school stuff. But um, it's crazy you pick the Omen because the Omen is just unbelievably good. Like it's it's one of those movies we 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 take for granted and we're like, hey, have you guys ever seen the Omen? Because I get this conversation in my video store a lot, and we're like. Oh, you mean one of Liv Shriver? I'm like, no, no, the original, 1976. Let's go with that. And yeah. uh, God bless. That's why I slept out of my store around to remind, remind the younger generation, like, 
look, whatever you think you like is based on something much older and much better. So check out the original. But yeah, uh, I guess the the Omen ran into some problems because they they turned it into a franchise. The other ones weren't very good. I mean, the second one was okay, but they they didn't the get better. The second one was Let's okay. That, that elevator scene, yeah. that elevator scene, the second right. one traumatized me That's as a good. child as well. <laughs> that was a that was a heavy duty shot. If you've seen the movie, listeners, you know exactly what we're talking about. My goodness, <laughs> like like bodily bisection by elevator. It was it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It was, it was. And I guess at that time, too, there were so many movies like The Exorcist and so on that people, I mean, I remember at the time they were sort of, they weren't treated very seriously. And yet when you look no. back at that era, um, those were some of the best movies of the 70s, right? I mean, there were a lot of good movies in the 70s, but they're considered to be now classics of, a, of, of you know, period. Well, you got to think about it this way. Movies that were not treated seriously back then, whether it's late 70s or early 80s, were like kind of fashion, fashion that was maybe not as nearly as accepted. But now, do you not see some of the younger generation rock in the exact same clothing that was relatively uh, obscure in the late 70s, early 80s, and they're rocking it now? And I feel the same way with the, uh, the younger generation that comes into my video store, where, and God bless them, they're like, look, Kev, uh, we love the 80s as much as you do, so we just want to like let you know it's not just because you're old that you love them and it reminds you of your childhood. It's because they were the better movies, and truly they were. And if there was no other point approved to make that fact a reality, it's everything we grew up with in that era has been remade over and over again. And why are they remaking it? Because they can't think of any other better ideas. I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part – I'm telling you straight up, baby love, before CGI, those practical effects, those horror movies of that era, they were the jam, and they still are the jam, even to the kids that were not even a twinkle in their parents' eyes at the time. It's, it, is, it is remarkable. So on that note, what, yes. uh, what are some of the one movies you might recommend this year that mightn't be, I mean, people know some of the real gems, uh, the popular ones yeah. from back, back then, but what might you recommend from that, from those, uh, maybe any era for that matter? Well, it was funny. I was thinking about it because, you know, I think we did this talk last year and obviously we went through the, the obvious classes. We went to the, the Halloweens and the things and the maybe Invasion of Body Snatchers or Psycho, but let's go a little bit more. Uh, let's, let's dig deeper, shall we? And speaking of the era of the Omen from 1976, let's jump a year ahead to 1977, and let's go with The Sentinel. Now, The Sentinel was was directed by John Borman. He made uh, Deliverance, one of my favorite movies. Unfortunately, he also made The Exorcist 2. We don't talk about that movie at all. But The (laughs) Sentinel, yeah, that never (laughs) happened. But The Sentinel... I'll tell you, if you are looking for a spooky, like, creepy kind of apartment house kind of vibe, Amityville Horror, so check it out. It's 1977. She's a young model. She's not quite committed to moving in with her agent boyfriend yet, played by Chris Sarandon, better known for Fright Night, Child's Play, and Bordello of Blood. But instead, she needs her own place. So the real estate agent says, Hey, we got this lovely apartment building near Central Park. It's beautiful. But don't mind the creepy blind priest staring at the window with a giant crucifix. It'll be fine. And maybe, just maybe, that building might be a gateway to hell. And it is a movie that is it, – it, it boggles my mind. And to be 100% honest, I'm 46 years old. I only discovered The Sentinel about 20 years ago. And I was like, 
holy Jesus, like this movie is like the first time I ever heard a reference was in the Tom Hanks film The Burbs from 1989, which right. I love The Burbs. And uh, yeah, it, it is a building. It is a movie, sorry, about a woman moving into a building. Uh, wants her, She still wants her independence, uh, but she might have moved into the wrong building. And uh, the neighbors are a bit weird. And the neighbors are ironically played by some relatively well-known actors at the time, including Murgis Meredith, uh, you know, who played Mickey from the Rocky films, uh, Beverly right. D'Angelo from the National Lampoon's movie. And um, man, that movie to this day, I it's recommend sensible. to people that have never heard of it. And they watch it like, oh, my God, what did I just watch? I'm like, you watch brilliance. That's exactly <laughs> what you watch. And it's amazing. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. and you know what? Real quick, oh my God, uh, yeah. cinephiles on the uh, the radio are going to be like, Kevin's totally screwed up. Like, you're right. It wasn't John Borman. It was Michael Winner, and he's the guy Michael that made Winter, all the right. death. That's right. He made all the Death Wish sequels, not the original right. Death Wish, but all the canon film ones. Yeah. Um, the Sentinel is as far as un like un uh, unappreciated uh, underdog movies. Please watch the Sentinel. It is fantastic. Yeah. If you want to see a movie that's scary for perhaps some of the wrong reasons, I highly recommend, though, you do watch a John Borman movie called Zardoz uh, with Sean. Oh if you want to see Sh- Sean Connery in, in underwear with a ponytail. So do you think one. Do you think when when, uh, when Sasha Baron Cohen made uh, Borat, he yeah. saw Zardoz and was like, he must have. That, that's going to be my bathing suit. That is literally going to be my bathing suit. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. Oh, well, sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. See the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. Carrie, there's another one for you. Kevin Martin's with us this half hour. We're talking about uh, Halloween movies. He's the owner of the Lobby DVD shop in Edmonton. So uh, Carrie is another great one. That, I, I love that movie. When I, I love, love is a tough word, isn't it? <laughs> I enjoyed that no. movie when it came out. <laughs> it's beautiful. You know what? It, it, it's, it's so it's so true to this day. I mean, honestly, uh, no word of a lie. Today at the video store, I had some young uh, ladies. Uh, I want to say they were 12 to 14 years old with their mother come in and their father. And they, they literally specifically asked for Carrie. And I said, oh, are you guys looking for the, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I unassumably assumed uh, the 2013 would be like, no, we want the 1970s one with Sissy Spacek. We heard it's the yeah. best one. And it they're is. absolutely right. I mean, it really is. It still packs a punch. Brian De Palma nailed it with that movie. Stephen King's yeah. first novel. Stephen King's That's first true. movie turned in from a novel, and it was fantastic. But what I want to bring up, I noticed you open up that segment there, the last little bit, with the John Carpenter music uh, from Halloween. Right. And we're not here to talk about like the classics. I think we did last year. But speaking of John Carpenter, can we talk about John Carpenter's last, in my opinion, great film that a lot of people maybe haven't seen, 
And that is from the 1990s. And that is In the Mouth of Madness, which stars oh, the amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, that stars yep. Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, I, for your like viewers Neill, yeah. that know. Yep. Um, Sam Neill made his American debut in, ironically, The Omen Part 3, where he played grown-up Damien. But In the Mother Madness is what Carpenter considers his last great movie, and I totally agree with him. Um, it is the third of his apocalyptic trilogy, which basically it's the thing, Prince of Darkness, In the Mouth of Madness. In the end, the only common theme all three movies have running is at the end of the movies, you're like, wow, that was kind of a bummer ending. We don't know what really happened. But if you're an H.P. Lovecraft fan and, and uh, listeners out there, if you know H.P. Lovecraft, you know his work. It's uh, very uh, doom gloom and uh, the old ones and the In the Mouth of Madness is absolutely fantastic. I, I don't want to go through the entire plot because we only have so much time. But basically, Sam Neill plays a very cynical insurance agent that is assigned to uh, pursue the possible disappearance of a Stephen King type of author, lovingly named Sutter Kane, which is very similar to Stephen King. And he doesn't believe that this guy is missing at all. And he's like, fine, I'll go on your adventure, but it's going to be a big joke. And he gets end up sucked into the world of this Sutter Kane character and the books that he's written because the demand of his new novel is more biblical than, well, the Bible, to be honest. And this movie hit me so hard in the 1990s in the movie theaters. I saw it three times in one week in a movie theater with my buddies. I kept dragging new wow. friends over and over. I'm like, you have to see this movie. You have to see this movie. And I'm actually talking to you right now, baby love. You have to see this movie. In the Mouth yeah. of Madness, 1994. It is, uh, it's also one of Charlton Heston's last roles, too. He has a big part right. in it. Uh, it is just simply fantastic. Um, just you, if you're a H.P. Lovecraft and a John Carpenter fan, watch In the Mouth of Madness. It might be the sleeper hit of your Halloween weekend. See, it's always what's great is to find things that you didn't know were out there because it's so easy to mm. miss movies sometimes. You know, that's uh, uh, we have Brenton Edmonton who's told us that his favorite 70s, scary 70s movies are the Norless Tapes, which I do not know. But looked it up. Mm. And don't be afraid of the dark, which I have seen actually. That's a, a, a good one. But for don't me, be afraid of dark. There, there was something special in the 1970s. Real quick, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad he mentioned "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" because the key with "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" is it was one of the many made-for-television horror movies of that era. Right. Now, "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" was remade, uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro years later, and it was terrible. It was just junk. Don't don't watch the remake. But if you were a young child, and it's before my time, but you grew up on the 70s made-for-TV horrors, Trilogy of Terror, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, um, Bad Ronald. I'm like, these were like literally made for network television. And you're just like, oh, my God, you watch them today. Like, how did they get away with this much They're terror and shock back then? It was yeah. almost like the world, as far as, uh, I guess, censorship, uh, I don't know if it's the right word, but... They were a lot more liberal back then than they are now. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, even Duel, even which I think we talked about last time, Duel was, yes, was a great did. movie. And, 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 it's, and, and you know, Dennis Weaver, it's a made-for-TV movie, too. So there were some real, some real gems that made it on to, uh, to late night, or at least primetime, I guess, at the time. I guess they were 9 o'clock movies, probably, back then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I hate to be the cynical guy. I, I, well, when it comes to this, I will be the cynical guy. I think television and movies and cinema was completely different in the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s. 
And we've gotten to the point now where it's all about the bottom line, the almighty dollar. Yeah. And creativity is taking a back seat to what will sell. And and like every time I get into arguments or sorry, heated aggressive discussions with a lot of my clientele about the state of remakes and, and the genre uh, uh, horror films themselves. It's not about like, look, remakes, there were a many great remakes. We have talked about this in the past. The Thing, The Fly, Kevin, The Blob. hold that thought for one minute. We've gone through quite a few. The Sentinel, a couple. Uh, Kevin, any other last ones? We'll, we'll try We'll do a bit of a speed round here of good movies you think that people should see that they probably haven't. Um, Dario Argento was something that kept coming up on my Criterion app today. They've been trying to get me to watch a Dario movie for a long time now. My friend, are you not familiar with Dario Argento? Or, I, I've is, actually is I've, I've seen I've seen I've seen Suspiria. That's it. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. as much as claim as Suspiria gets, I would go with Opera from 1987. It is right. uh, Argento's best movie. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that, but it is a fact. <laughs> or the lovely movie Phenomena, aka Creeper, starring a very young Jennifer Connelly, who filmed wow. the movie the same year she filmed Labyrinth with David Bowie. Talk about going from working with Jim Henson to working with creepy insects, Donald Pleasance, God bless, and, uh, you know, a straight-up horror movie with a crazy uh, baboon monkey in it, uh, which is amazing. Um, yeah. No, there are so many choices, my friend. And if nothing else, uh, real quick, I might add, I mean, obviously, I just listened to the entire news, uh, the, the quick update. This is why horror movies are so essential to us, because, man, the world is crazy, is it not? And I think the reason why we escape to movies, especially horror movies, is because it's just like, look, I just need a break, man. I need need a a two-hour mental break from the reality of the world. And I tell my customers this all the time, you know, like no no politics, no religion. We're just going to talk movies, and it's a beautiful thing. But uh, you mentioned Argento, so I will say Mm -hmm. opera. You want to talk about some newer stuff? Maybe, 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 well, not even newer stuff, but just stuff that, like, I, I can't keep recommending the classics. So let's – I'll throw out a movie called Splinter at you. Splinter mm-hmm. came out about 15 years ago. No one saw it. It stars the guy that played the brother of Steve Buscemi in uh, Boardwalk Empire and one of the young guys from Road Trip, of all things, Tom Green. And it is basically John Carpenter's thing in a gas station, and it's a body horror movie that Cronenberg would be so proud about. Like, that's that kind of movie that is. Uh, and as far as something newer, my goodness, we talk about John Carpenter and Halloween and Michael Myers. Well, give a chance to a more independent movie like Terrifier. You are have a phobia of clowns? My goodness. Check out Terrifier and, more importantly, Terrifier 2, which I believe is playing in, uh, in theaters uh, this Halloween season. Uh, my goodness, Art the Clown is going to be the new icon of horror. Like, this is a nasty, nasty killer clown <laughs> rummaging the streets on Halloween nights. And uh, whether you like or hate the movie, you will not leave without going, my God, that affected me somehow, one way or another. Terrifier. Terrifier. Terrifier I can't tell you. Terrifier Part 2 is what – this is the independent movie that could, a movie that has – completely destroyed the god-awful Halloween ends that opened up a couple weeks ago in theaters. I don't want to talk about that. You know what, brother? If we had, like, another hour, I would love to keep rapping horror movies with you, but I know you're on a limited time. So, gentlemen, ladies, if you're listening, you love the horror movies, you love some slasher goodness, check out, as far as newer movies, Terrifier, and more importantly, Terrifier Part 2 
which is now playing in Canadian theaters, only because of the popularity of uh, the fans demanding it opening in theaters. And it's a little movie that could. Isn't it great that that still happens? That people would demand that a movie be put back in theaters these days? And that... This movie is playing in a thousand screens this Halloween weekend, and this movie was shot for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Which, if you know movies, is like you might as well throw a couple yeah. pennies in a jar. That's all you it is. Like, yeah. Amazing. God bless. Amazing. Well, as Kevin, as always, it's been a great joy. Have a great Halloween. Thank you for all the suggestions. <sighs> Terrifier for sure. Um, Sentinel. I can't wait to see it. Get, Sentinel. Brother, Sentinel was, Sentinel you're was a big omen one. guy. Gotcha. Get on. The, I, I, I'm heartbroken that we don't have five hours. I really am. I, I, I wish we could keep rapping the good rap, and it, it breaks my heart that we've done this once a year. But you know what? If we'll you have any jam about movies, please do. Yeah. Much, we'll much jab, appreciated. We'll jab some more. Get, get ready for Christmas movies. That's coming. Oh, baby, love. I've already I, I got the orders going on. I got the orders going on. Perfect. I'm that guy. <laughs> Perfect. Kevin, have a, have a great weekend. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks. Take care, right? Say, have a good night.